Welcome to the League Seeds. Look at round 20 of the NRL season. Seven rounds until we reach those finals in September. I'm AJ Luke Antonio Couture with League Unlimited, the front row program, and the man with the stats for stats perform. Joining me, as always, is our 2SM cadet journo, the man with the news, Ray Sullivan. G'day, my friend. G'day, g'day, AJ. What a solid weekend of pretty that was. Solid, crazy, controversial, all the superlatives out there to describe what was an eventful week of rugby league. So much happening on the field, even more happening off it. We're so much to talk about with this weekend of rugby league. So I think the best way to do it is just to get smack bang into it. So we kicked off on Friday night after the Origin Games on Wednesday and Thursday with a Newcastle taking on the West Tigers, and it was a 34-18 victory for the Newcastle Knights in this one. And boy, oh boy, it was immediate that these Newcastle Knights are going to continue on their way. After a 66-0 win against the Knights, they put on four tries in the opening 25 minutes. And for the West Tigers early, Reese, it looked like much of a repeat of what they put up against the Cowboys, didn't it? Yeah, it's just, you know, obviously we knew the Knights were going to come out with the bit between their teeth again. They've backed the ball in an attempt to play. Mm-hmm. They need these wins. They've got all things considered. Two easy games back to back. It's the perfect place. Mm-hmm. I think next few weeks where they will be playing some tough teams. But yeah, the Tigers looked out of sorts. Like like we did against the Cowboys. Uh, just sort of, you know, get what they want. Early phase of the game. Definitely. I think you saw Greg Marju continuing on his merry ways. The dude's a monster out of yardage. 21 runs, 231 metres. The bloke is a tank and an animal. And now we're seeing him playing such good footy, such consistent footy. This is what he's promised us for years on years. And he's finally getting that chance in the red and blue, isn't he? Yeah, and it begs the top. But did they make the right decision letting Marzu go? Because Marzu right now feels like, you know, with his role in the team, with what he does well, he's one of the best wingers in the game. Obviously, he does have some massive flaws um, in his game. Um, But Mm -hmm. with what he does well, he's the best at it, or one of the best. Yeah, I think, as I was touching on earlier in the year, I think he was very much maligned and scapegoated for that Titans right-hand edge defensively being so poor last year. I thought he was very much a scapegoat in that regard. And you look, he's come able with his stronger defensive centre on his inside because I think Brian Kelly, in all due respect, has been a... While he's very good attacking defensively in the past... He's left a lot to be desired about his game. So I think with Marju having that solid defensive centre inside him, he's not having to make silly decisions. He's making the right ones, and that allows his power game in the coming out of yardage to be the focal point. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, so what he's been able to show this season, he's – cemented himself as one of the wingers in the NRA, like, at the top level. And I think we're starting to see the Knights sort of, you know, have this plan 
with losing Dom Young, where even though they lose, you know, obviously such a talented player in Dom Young, uh, massive, I can't understand how much of a cue that is for the Roosters to grab him, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, with, even with losing him, you still have a guy like Marju on your books who can sort of carry out that similar role. They don't lose the impact out of yardage that they would have lost last season. Mm-hmm. This is the season that the Knights will get a chance to play September. Um, but next season regardless of whether they retain or let go of Adam O'Brien, it will be interesting to see how they adapt to, again, losing such a player as Tom Young. 100%, my friend. But I want to give some kudos to the Tigers. Very easy to be heads down and just not play, and just be down to the 74-0 that we saw a fortnight ago. But for the second week in a row, they're able to hang in there and, at 18-12 at halftime, he thought it was anybody's game, and it just goes to show you what a, how much impact Appy Coruscant brings out of the nine jumper and how having Appy there at nine takes Jareem Buller's game to another level, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Uh, obviously, Buller is this prestigious talent, but he does still, and you know, obviously he's still young, he's still developing his game first grade, but he does rely a lot on the abilities of the spine players around him to sort of adjust the defensive tendencies to take away from just focusing on the exercise. Yeah. Having a guy like Torosau who can just come in and control the rock in the way he did, it made it so much easier for Buller. We got to see, despite a loss, we got to see probably Buller's best game all round this season. Yeah, I tend to agree there. And I think having Appy back just able to help out the middle of the park as well because I think that allowed Papa Litty and Bateman to get on the front foot. Uh, a bit unlucky. I thought they could have had a try in the opening minutes of play, but I think that the Tigers are just looking for excuses if they're blaming that one at the moment. Uh, but it just goes to show you how much problems there are at the club. And it's come out today that there's an emergency meeting with Scott Fulton, the new head of recruitment, and then... Uh, is it Benji Marshall? Uh, I think it was um, Lee Hadjapantelis was there as well. I'm not sure if Marshall was in attendance, uh, but there were also player managers, uh, specifically the two player managers that are representing the Farnu brothers. So one manager mm-hmm. for the Farnu brothers, and then also the manager that's representing Isaiah Papali'i and Stefano Uchwakmano. Mm-hmm. Both those both those key figures for the Tigers' future were in attendance at this meeting. So, you know, it, it is worrying concern for the Tigers that player agents are potentially getting worried that there might not be as much development under the current coaching regime as they'd like for their clients. Mm-hmm. It's also concerning for player management that there's such a disconnect between the coaching staff and the recruitment staff. So, you know, it's very easy to look at where the Tigers are now and say, 
well, it, it can only go up from here. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Very interesting. It's going to be intriguing to see what happens there. A lot of disconnect because of what the Tigers' decision to sign Aiden Caesar. Apparently, uh, Fulton wanted Cogger. And so of course, you would expect, though, Sheens with his Super League connections to want to go for an England, a half-back facing England, whether it's Caesar or Brody Crockett. So. Yeah, 100%. 100%, my friend. Anything else you want to touch on on this game? Well, I mean, let's just talk about Caelan Tonger, because we haven't spoken about him yet. Oh, yes, we cannot forget yeah. about KP. That is, that is back-to-back three-star performances from KP. And just, yeah, I know, obviously, I touched on quality of opponents, but this last fortnight, he has absolutely turned it off. Four line break assists, three try assists, a line break, six tackle breaks. Yep, a try, uh, 41 touches at the ball, a forced dropout off his boot. So it's a good signs there for KP, and for the Knights. So I think that as we see the Knights get into this tougher regime of games coming, let's just take a look at their run home because they've got, do they play? Let me just check. They, the Knights will play out. They're amongst a couple of the other teams that will play the season out. So to finish the year, they've got Melbourne, Canberra, the Finns, Dogs, Souths, Cronulla, and the Dragons. So it'll be a true testament to see where they are, I think. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that's, you know, obviously that Dragons game is relatively easy for them. Um, but at the same time, that is a very interesting run home. I, they, could, they could make the eight. 100% they could, where they are now. Um, but it's going to take a lot of Kalen Ponga magic to get them there, I think. The form he's had these last two weeks, I definitely think he could pull it off. But uh, let's wait and see. We've been waiting for Kalen Ponga to have this run of, you know, really consistent, really elite performances pretty much ever since he signed with the Newcastle Knights. So let's hope he can do it off in these last two months of the season. Yeah. Uh, Brisbane 44, Canterbury 24. Now... Uh, we'll touch on Josh Reynolds in the lower grade report, so we'll save that for that. Uh, I thought it was a really gutsy performance from Brisbane. They had a lot of players out of the side. Still, Haas wasn't there. Uh, Pat Carrigan wasn't there. But I'm starting to see future pieces really stake their claims in this side. Dean Mariner, Xavier Wilson, Brendan Piakura... Uh, Ezra Mam, I thought was really good as well. Reynolds was outstanding, even though he's not future. Tristan Saylor posed himself nicely at the back. Uh, really good signs, I think, for the Brisbane Broncos moving forward. Uh, I will address the Selwood Cobo sim binning. I know Reese was disagreeing with it. I disagree with it as well because even though he does raise his forearm, the main damage is done from the knee afterwards and that was reflected by the match review panel's decision not to cite him yeah correct and i'll just quickly um obviously like i said i do disagree with it i've been pretty vocal on twitter about my disagreement with it 
<laughs> but I'll just reference um, the Tino incident that happened today in the Parramatta game. Yeah. I, I prefer the Cobo incident to the Tino incident purely because Cobo already had his arm in position when the contact was made. The defender has, in this case, Toby Second, he slipped into the contact, so his head was lowered, which meant that the forearm caught him on the neck. But like you said, uh, it was the knee that did the damage that broke Toby Second's nose. Whereas yeah. in the case of the Tino incident, the defender had made the tackle or made the first contact, and then Tino raised the arm into the player's head. Hundred mm-hmm, percent. For me, for me, that's a much worse situation. A, I don't know if it's a more dangerous situation necessarily, but it shows that the players had time to react and made decisions to go for the head. Uh, but yeah, obviously, like you said, Cobo not um, cited for that by the match review committee. I've lost count of how many times that is where a player has a Broncos player in, in particular has been sinned in on a call by Casey Badger and then not cited at the judiciary. Um, but that's neither here nor there. At the end of the day, didn't impact the Broncos. We actually won 6-0 while Cobo was in the bin, so we'll take that. So let's just... I'm actually on this point now. So let's take a look at it. Ezra Mam for the hip job, suspended. Mm-hmm. Uh, no other Simbins under Casey Badger this season. What about the uh, Carrigan one against Melbourne? Who was that? Jared Saddam. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, Cobo was Casey Badger. I could go back last year if you want to. If you want me to prove your point. <laughs> uh, well, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Okay. All good. All good. Uh, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Brendan Pegura. This is Reese's pet vanity project. I. Struggle to see how he doesn't stay on the edge when Ricky comes back. Yeah, and I think I think Ricky and Piakura uh, are our starting edges. I think Capewell, he's been able to show that he can play in that middle forward role in relief of Carrigan this season. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's done enough on the edge to warrant that selection over uh, Piakura and Ricky. I know he did score a very nice try uh, because of his connection with Adam Reynolds. Mm-hmm. But on a one-to-one basis, I find a lack of an argument in that back row spot to put Kurt Tapewell over Brendan Piacura. That said so, it will be a bit more of a... Can be very tough there. It might be a situation... So you do put Capewell on that edge purely for the defensive side of things. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to count a point here. Yep. I'm going to count a point. Pia Cura, 22 tackles, three misses, three ineffective. Capewell, 36 tackles, eight missed, one ineffective. Yes, but at the same time, Capewell's getting more volume because he's okay. on the same. I just wanted to make that point. I, know, I just wanted to make I know, that point. I know. Uh, yeah, my worry is, yeah. Tina Palacio, I know he's your regular punching bag. I thought he was solid. 29 main tackles, 130 metres carrying the football. He had one of his better games, but on to Canada. And also, I thought Xavier Wilson was really good on the bench. Picked up a nice try out of dummy half. But 
on the Canterbury, uh, I thought they made a bit of trouble for you blokes. Like, they were really good. Like, Gerald Skelton is a meter-eating machine out of the yardage. He was pretty good. Uh, elsewhere, they lacked direction as soon as Toby Sexton came off the field. And that was evident. I thought uh, Jacob Kiraz at centre, I really liked. He ran for over 230 metres. Yeah, I think Kiraz is definitely their second going forward, especially with Avarillo going to the Dolphins next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say, like you said, Skelton was very, very strong. Uh he did have that intercept as well, which helped boost his meters, um, but that's needed. That was Blake Wilson. Uh, that was Wilson. Oh. All uh, good. So I'm All good. I'm still not feeling the bulldog fingers. Don't kill me. Um, and then, <laughs> All good, mate. All good. Uh, uh, good. But... Yeah, so I thought the Bulldogs, especially that first half, they were really strong. They went tit for tat, obviously, missing guys like Ricky, missing guys like Fleckler. Our defense was always going to be a little bit suspect. Um, but credit to the Bulldogs, they took advantage of their back. They were able to put points on the board. But like you said, Sexton going off, they just lost a lot of that momentum they had. And, you know... Obviously, defensively for the Bulldogs, it's always been an issue all season, but they were really poor all game. And then being poor in the middle, it led to them being poor on the edges as well, and just ended up being an absolute mess for them. Yeah, fair enough. I thought, yeah, there was just a bit of lack of cohesion. You look at some of the defensive numbers, Burden, I thought, didn't quite stand up when he could have in that dominant half role. Uh, only ran the ball, where is it? He only ran the ball eight times. Sexton ran the ball seven times in his 38 minutes. Burden ran the ball eight times in 80 minutes. That's... I, think, I think there has to be some questions being asked about Matt Burden. Because, don't get me wrong, he hasn't particularly been bad since coming to the Bulldogs last season. Just a lot but, of expectation. Yeah, you consider his expectation of being the saviour of that side. And then mm-hmm. you also add in the weight of the contract exception he signed earlier this year. It really doesn't allow for that wiggle room of the poor performances like we saw on Saturday. Mm-hmm. 100%. My friend, uh, I just want to say on this game that... There are signs here that the Bulldogs are going to get better. It's going to be a long... This is going to be a long rebuild for them. And I don't think that necessarily that you have... It's not going to be fixed this year. You're going to be down the bottom of the ladder, even though I predicted them to be eighth this year. Well done, AJ. (laughs) Embarrassing pick that. I don't know what's worse. That or saying the Roosters would be top two. I was low on both things. I was low on both things. Uh, like, I'm probably still a bit high on the Roosters, but mm. <laughs> I was... We'll get, we'll get to the Chooks when we get there, but, yeah. I thought Corey Waddell was good on the middle as well. Anything else in this game, my friend? Um, not necessarily. I'll just say quickly that uh, with the points side of things, it was great to see the Broncos get some points on the board again after a few rough weeks. 
Um, and especially doing it with Aparice Walsh, he's been such a catalyst for us with his try assist. That was very nice to see. And hopefully we can keep that momentum going into a very tough match against South Sydney. Hashtag read Marnie Hayes charity. <laughs> now, I figured out, I'll just be honest, now we know how to deal with the paparazzi. You just slap the camera away. Princess Diana, take notes. <laughs> I was going to say that. I put that in the group chat and I was like, this, this might be pushing it. That's how you deal with the paparazzi, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. I thought I was going to push the envelope with that, but no, you take it off me. Thank you, but come on. Uh, Cowboys 19, Manly 8. Um, we love a debut try, don't we? Oh, lovely. Lovely. Our favourite thing in the world. Dean Madison picking up a try in his first touch of the football. He goes over in the right-hand corner. And I love the unselfishness of Ola Kawatsu to pass him the football. I, I did see how much money fucked up Carl Maltes with that, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's that or Dabu Choi? What, hey, what are you thinking here? And he is temporary. Maybe he tries it forever. Yeah. Uh, but for the Cowboys, they bounce back pretty quickly. Ruben Cotter and Jeremiah Nene picking up two tries in three minutes to basically put the Cowboys in a position. And then Chad Townsend knocking over a disrespectful field goal to go up 13-4 at halftime. I just felt with this one in particular that the Cowboys, it took a while for them to get into it. You had their big scoring run of the last couple of weeks. But it started, I mean, it happens with a lot of sides. You go on these big scoring runs and then there's the inevitable crash back down to Worth, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, it was, after that, you know, two quick tries, they never really put themselves in a position to a comfortable all game, I thought. Uh, I just want to say, quickly, um, we'll get to the Schuster watch in a minute, but that defensive read on Nanai's try was embarrassing. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, I don't think you're going to get any, any contest from that from you know, observers or managers. Um, we'll get so, to it later. I, I know some of the plays the Cowboys do set up for Danai uh, can be a bit unpredictable in terms of where the ball's going. Mm-hmm. But even even by those standards, that was a horrific read. Yeah. Um, Lockie Croker looked good, kicked the 40-20. He, he always has these games against the Cowboys. Did it last year, too. Kicked the 40-20. Uh, set up a line break, which set up the try for Brad Parker. That got it to 13-8. And it was a very intriguing game. And then you had um, Gerbo. He could send a couple of ruck infringements in this one, I think. Um, where is it? Because I had to input them. Uh, where's Jake Chaboyevich? Two ruck infringements for Gerbo. Yeah, just... Uh, it was... A bit lazy from him, wasn't it? Not what we usually expect uh, from a guy like Jerbox. Yeah, some flopping around. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then there was that try for Drinkwater, where he just sliced through. Again, we're talking about some poor defensive reads. I mean, that wasn't necessarily a poor defensive read. They came up and in. The one missed tackle just left a massive gap. Yeah, that's the risk you take, I guess. And that's really... 
Now, for Manly, they, they have a few poor defenders on their roster, so I feel like that's a risk a lot of the time they can't afford to take, especially when it leads to results like that. Yeah, they ended up having a couple of chances at the end of the game to come home with a wet sail, but unfortunately they did not. So before we go anywhere, time for this week's Juice to Watch. Eight runs for 44 metres, one line break assist, one try assist, not bad. Two tackle breaks. This one will be surprising for you, Reese. A play the ball speed of 3.92. He's learning. I did those stats, so I was very harsh on him. An offload, 55 touches of the football, 21 made tackles, three misses, six kicks, one grubber, one bomb, two crossfield, one kick to dead. 80 minutes of footy, no errors. Have a day, Josh Schuster. Uh, just, just, just one quick question. How do you yes. input play the ball speed? Uh, because we, when we do it, we have the time between the tackle complete and the play the ball. Ah, okay. That's how we determine the play the ball speed. So essentially from the time the referee calls held or gives that instruction to the ruck, that's when we input the tackle complete. And then when they play the ball, that's when – so the time in between that tackle complete and the play the ball, that's how we determine the play the ball speed. All right, there you go. You learn something new every day. I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, elsewhere in the forwards, I thought Paseca was really strong, but – with Manly's forward rotation at the moment, they're not getting enough production. Like, Josh, Oshay Ole's second stint lasted. He came on at 56, came off at 65. He'll be rested for their next game. <laughs> Uh, but Aaron Woods played 26 minutes. They moved. They had Bullimore on an edge, and then they moved into the middle. Like it's really confusing what Anthony Seabold's trying to do there. And let me tell you, it's really bizarre. Simply played only 24 minutes too, but he did end up having two of his 16 tackles were um one-on-one strips. <laughs> Efficiency. Uh Sammy Valame. We're talking about meter readers out of yardage. 243 running meters. McLean, Lay Lua were good. Um. He might have only played 14 minutes, but Finney Fuiaki had six runs for 85 metres. Yeah, that's production. Uh, Tama Lolo, 41 minutes, had over 150 metres. That's just standard from Big Jason. But anything else on this game before we move on to the Roosters? Uh, no, I think we're pretty much good to go. Okay, let's do this, AJ. Let's do this. Uh, Melbourne 30, Roosters 16. Uh, we returned to the Sydney Cricket Ground and our season came to a crashing halt, just like it did in the year of our Lord 2020. First half was good. I was really impressed with the effort. We kept with it, but I have to narrow down some of our short side plays were freaking pathetic. Like our last tackle options were so poor in the first half, and even in the second half, they were just so poor. Like, I like to think if we get that penalty goal from Suali'i, our mindset's just a little bit up at half time. But then, you know, we had Victor Radley make so... We forced a drop out. We do all the hard work. Drops the ball in good ball territory. Another time, we're down the short side. Last tackle, demands the footy, throws it over the sideline. 
Another time, I think he did the exact same thing in the second half as well. Like, it just honestly pisses me off week after week after week. And he played 80 minutes. The stats might read he ran for just under 150 metres and he had two line breaks. Um, Reese, I think my stats are broken. It says we had more line breaks than Melbourne. I mean, that can't be, be right. To be fair, the Storm aren't team to get line breaks, and with the field position you were giving them, they didn't need many line breaks. We won the line break count 8-3. <laughs> and let's be real. like I'm going to give some praise to a player. I thought Nathan Brown was our best player. And apart from Joey Manu, I was really impressed with Nathan Brown's ball playing. That last pass he put on to see while Wong's try, mwah. Perfect. Exactly what I needed from him. Um, Nafu White, four runs in for 44 metres in 19 minutes. I'm very happy with. Uh, five tackles. He did have one miss, two ineffective. I can live with that. But very solid output from Nafs. Good to see Siwa Wongcross. Very happy with Siwa. But Eager Butcher, solid in the middle. Um, Jared, Lindsay, a bit disappointed in Lindsay. Only the seven runs. Jared, 10 carries was good. Suali'i tried. Tupo tried. Smith tried. Manu tried. But again, just some effort and execution plays really let us down. I thought our left-hand edge defense quite poor. We let in a couple of soft tries. And whoever's genius idea at the club this week to say, Oh, I'm going to put Junior Powell to mark Xavier Coates. Should be shot out of a cannon. Like, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> All right, I'll take any questions. Well, I mean, obviously, the first question, which I've asked a couple of times this season, where do the Roosters go from here, AJ? <laughs> we're going in the right direction. Uh, there's enough pieces there to suggest we're going in the right direction. And, again, it's just the little small things in execution that need to be better. I'm not going to use the phrase rooster style of footy, but there just needs to be a couple little small finer details in execution. Like, I think there was a bit of rush of blood on Sandon Smith's behalf a couple of times. We created some nice opportunities. And then he put in a kick on tackle two or something. Just complete, wasted the momentum. Melbourne go downfield and score. Like, that's just the sort of little execution things I'm talking about. And then elsewhere, very happy with Brandon Smith's output. Um... Again, Jake Turpin actually ran the football was solid in half an hour. I would have liked to have seen Nathan Brown given a rest and then have Turpin just tackle, tackle, tackle in the middle of the field and then have Rads come in the middle of the field, play a bit of ball playing. I would have liked to see that just so Nathan would have had a bit of a breather. But I can see light at the end of the tunnel here, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I'll just Looking back to the future, obviously, yep. you do have a couple of good signings coming in. We touched on Dom Young earlier. You've also got Spencer Lenu. Those are very, very strong signings. But to me, yes. they don't really alter the side to the point this season is showing you need to be altered. They improve on, realistically, a couple of positions that you've already got pretty nice output out of. But mm-hmm. they don't improve on the positions that need to be filled. 
my question is, is there a list of players on some reasonable salary that you could look at right now and say, we let you go if it meant being able to sign a player that could fill a hole in this team? Well, it's easy for me to start. I mean, I, I said to Victor Radley he could go learn some French. Um, that's an obvious one for me, but it won't happen. But I think I look on the sideline, I think Angus Crichton's one that potentially could get a nice little tap on the shoulder. I mean, the bloke's gone through a lot, I know, but at the same time, his output since coming back has been quite poor. Uh, I look at a guy like a... Let me have a look at our transfer list. I don't want to say Kiri or Walker because Kiri needs to help Walker out. Sam Walker's going to be practically new signing next year when yep. he comes back from injury. So I'm not really too fussed there. But there's going to be a lot of squad depth that's going to be cold next year. Um, so I look at, like, Lindsay Collins is on good coin. Kiri's on good coin. Manu's on good coin. Um, I just think that I mean, Connor Watson's going to potentially go. I'm happy to keep a Jake Turpin, but I wouldn't be too fussed if we tapped Tupanua, tapped Crichton, even tapped Paul Momorowski to go. I'm just... It's very frustrating because I can see the pieces there that's needed to take us to the next level. But at the same time there's still a lot that needs to be fixed at the I'll, club. I'll just throw it up again. I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I find where the Roosters are now in a very similar situation to where the Broncos were in 2021 in the fact that you can see that you have this core of really strong talent mm-hmm. that you know be the integral focus of a team that makes the finals but you just don't have all the pieces that fit together. The difference between them is where the Broncos have to make it better, the Roosters don't have it. Not at the moment, no. I tend to agree with that. We've got a good, nice young crop of forwards coming through. I really think Jared needs to help you the glue there. Help your guys like your Spencers. Help your Seawild Wongs. Help your Nafu Whites out in that regard. Uh, Brennan Smith will be better with a full preseason under his belt at hooker. He came back in, I think, late January. And that's very much pushing it to get into our system. So I'm not really too fussed there. Uh, we could start nurturing Sandon as well, bring him along to help replace Kiri potentially down the line. I've seen a lot of negative stuff surrounding Kezra. A lot of it's unjustified, I think, especially with Walker coming out. He's been the one that's been targeted a lot. So I think any criticisms of Keza need to be put aside. Uh, but I do agree with a lot of your points. A lot needs to change moving forward. We've got seven games left in the season. I'd be happy if we win five of them. I'd be happy if we win five of our next seven. It might not be enough to make the finals, but as I've said a couple times, I don't want to go on this insane winning streak just to be crashed out week one of the finals again. That was enough pain maybe for me last miss, year. Maybe if you miss the finals, it might actually teach the coaching staff something about the weakness in the side. It might be a bit of a... I think it'll be a wake-up call, 100%. Like, I think we need to change our attacking philosophy. I've seen 
good signs in the way we've attacked recently that there is a bit of change there, but I think it needs to go to the next level a little bit. So I 100% agree, mate, and that's what happens. On to Melbourne real quick, or do you have any other questions on the Chooks? Uh, no, I think we're good to go. Okay. Uh, on to Melbourne, Coates picking up free tries, picking on a toddler in junior power, the poor bloke. Hughes was great. Munster was good as well. Harry Grant back to his signature best out of acting half. Uh, but some good sides there for the Storm moving into September footy. Yeah, definitely. They uh, they found form at the right time. Uh, and I think I think the Panthers game did show there's still a little bit to go before we can sit there and put them 100% firmly in that contended category. But the signs are there, and I think they could definitely be a team that can beat anyone on their day. I know the game was won, but are you concerned with the two tries in three minutes at the end? Personally, I'm not, but I know for a fact Craig Bellamy would be. So. He was a very cranky boy in that dressing room shot. <laughs> but anyway, anything else on the Storm or on this game in particular, my friend? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. Although I do, I will touch on the fact that he yeah. had. Brandon Smith, it is a bit ironic that he went to the Roosters to win premierships and instead... Basically, the Roosters didn't end up the hands of his former club. No, rebuild, mate. We're in a rebuilding year. It's a rebuilding year. And I love the fact that we're living rent-free in the heads of South Sydney, that even on their bye week, they can't help to mention that we lost. <laughs> we were nice. We were nice about your um, complaints about the origin period last week. We didn't go at people too hard. We weren't like the yes man on bloke in a bar that just whinged. Also, big shout-out to Guru. We love you, mate. Thanks for backing us this week. Yeah, 100%. Legend. Absolute legend, Guru. We love you. Uh, moving on to Sunday footy. Was 44. Sharks 12. Holy fuck. This Was team can play football. Yeah, well, um, welcome to the Was show. The Was hey. show indeed, my friend. Yeah, they turned it on. Let's go through it. Like, they started a bit poorly. Nico Hines crossing after nine minutes. There was some pretty ordinary defense down that side of the field. And you're a bit worried about, oh, is this too much for the Wars to handle? But I really thought the turning point in this game was Dylan Walker's introduction, but also Teague Wilton going off injured. I just feel, and I put out on my... Twitter today, they just peppered that left-hand edge, the wires, as soon as he went off, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. That The Warriors scored five tries down that edge. Was it five? Fuck. Yeah, five. So, yeah, definitely once Steve Wilson went off, they identified that as a very weak spot. And to be fair, though, you can obviously sit down to Wilson, but... Talakai was very, very poor. Let's go through the missed tackles. He had five misses. Moylan had six misses and one ineffective. And I know that Sharks Twitter, I need to get that. Um, I saw something about Matt Moylan that Savo Dan retweeted. Who was it? Dan's retweets live on air. They're not usually family friendly. Um, there was something about um, a Barbie doll and um, the... Ca- there we go. 
It's a picture of Matt Moylan in the barb in the Ken poster for the Barbie ad, and it's Matt Moylan inside it. <laughs> it didn't the top say like this? Ken is missing tackles or something? Yes. <laughs> um, Wade Graham. I put out a tweet about Wade Graham. No, it's not the tweet of me cooking fish. Where is it? Wade Graham no, has is. done a he, lot of... He is pretty cool. He is pretty cool. I said, Wade Graham has done a lot of good in the game, but I think he's reached the end of his career. Sharks were brutally exposed down that side the moment Teague left. And it's just everything yeah. we've summed up in the last few yeah. minutes, isn't it? Yeah, and at the end of the game, they did sort of pan a video after the Warriors try. They panned back to the Sharks bench and... There was Wade Graham on the bench, and I will say his face did look like a player who might be thinking he's played his last game of NFL. Obviously, no, can't really speculate on his thoughts on what he might be thinking on whether he might call it quits himself, whether he's expecting to get a tap on the shoulder. But yeah, I think his while his immediate future might be up for. I think long term, 100%, you know, the Sharks can't keep relying on him to just fill a hole like they used to be able to. I heard that um, Fox brought in a guest commentator, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Mr. Hook Griffin. Oh, Jesus, I thought the Sky feed was bad. <laughs> but again, we'll touch on. I want to touch on this now, actually. What do you what do you think's up with the sharks? Like, is it just flat track boys? What do you make of it, mate? Like, this is another embarrassing loss. I think it's definitely the flat track bully. I think their style of play gets picked up really easily by bigger teams. I think the biggest issue for the sharks is they don't really have a strength in their team outside of Nico Hines. Like, their biggest strength is the fact they have Nico Hines at halfback. If teams have the capacity to sort of box Hines in and force him to play in a specific style, the Sharks really struggle to get around that. Mm-hmm. And that's a very similar issue to what we saw in the finals last season. I think the two finals games against the Cowboys and against the Rabbitohs really sort of laid the platform for the teams to follow that we've seen this season on how to beat the Sharks off. Yeah, I've got a solution where Wade Graham with Teague Wilden's injury. You move Talakai back out on the edge and then you play if a Tracy or Irlo at centre. That makes perfect sense. The problem is it makes perfect sense. So obviously <laughs> it's not going to be something great for Timmy considers. He's learned from the Robo handbook in things that don't make sense. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, but on to the Warriors. We're going to give them some much-deserved flowers here. They should be the story here, in my opinion. They've had a couple of games this year against some teams where they've been in the fight but lost it. I look back at the two Roosters games. I look back at the South Sydney game against sides that were competitive. I just don't get with the Roosters. We can sweep the Warriors. That'd still be 14th. <laughs> but anyway, back on track to the Warriors. Adam Vanilla Blake. 
Mitch Barnett, Torhu Harris, Dylan Walker. They are just killing it at the moment. Is it fair to say that all four of those players are in career best form? Fanil Blake definitely in career best form. Mitch Barnett, I agree. Torhu, I thought on the edge at Melbourne's probably his best form. And then with Dylan Walker in that impact role, I saw a stat when he's on the field. The Warriors have like a 60 to nil run in the last fortnight, which is insane. They, he has been the probably the in terms of value probably the buy of the season. Like obviously in terms of proper performance, the buy of the season's been Reese Walsh. But in terms of pound for pound, dollar for dollar value, you can't really go past the Walker in my opinion. I'd argue Hopgood. Yeah, fair enough, but I think Hopgood's lent a lot on that hot start to the season. Don't get me wrong, he's had, he's had a very good season himself. But I think Walker's been more consistent. And I think in terms of leading their teams to victories, I think is a lot more important to the Warriors than Hopgood is to the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, Sean Johnson, second child, 200 games, free line break assists, free try assists. Mate, is there, we had we, we questioned SJ in big games, and rightly so. The record hasn't been great this year, but he really stood up for me today. Rocco Berry has been good as well, I think. Yeah. He, well, I mean, look, look what happened last season, how much we questioned him. Mm-hmm. How much we really sort of, you know, put out the narrative that is, his career over, you know, how much more does he have left in the tank? What he's done this season has been no, no, no other word to describe it other than incredible. He single-handedly refined his career. He's put in that hard work to make sure he gets back to his best. And realistically, this is the closest he's been to his best probably since 2018. And he is reaping the rewards of that hard work. 100%, my friend. Panthers 24, Dolphins 14. Now, the baby Panthers. Uh, all their origin stars out. Nathan Cleary kept on ice. And they started off with a bank. Three tries in the first 20 minutes of play. And they looked set for quite the cricket score, didn't they? Yeah, they went very, very quick off the mark. Um, only thing really holding them back was Jack Pogger's goal kicking. Um, but in the end, it didn't hurt them overall. So I guess no harm, no foul in that situation. Um, but yeah, just the Dolphins looked bad to start the game. Especially Early on, on they did. Especially yeah. on the left edge. Very much makeshift. You had Tay Faraday try to play on the wing, and with all due respect, that was not going too well to start with. <laughs> oh, man. That was horrific. Couple of bad, really. couple of bad bomb defusals. Um, the poor bloke was up against it, let me tell you. But the Dolphins, to their credit, they worked. They stayed in the fight. They worked themselves back into the game, and... Eventually, uh, got their reward with a try in the 
where is it? The off the back of a six again. They had a couple six agains down the end of the field. Todd Smith gave him a warning, and Jack Cogger was dispatched to the sim bin, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I mean, I know there's been a fair few Kenny uh, fans that have been a bit up in arms about that, but at the end of the day, that's akin to a professional foul. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a sin bin 10 times out of 10, especially with as many warnings as Podsmith gave. Mm-hmm. 100%. And Cody Nickarim across 12-4. Uh, I thought Jared Wallace was a lucky boy to start on the field. Fair enough. I, I agreed with that. I thought there was, well, there was a pretty textbook troll charge, all things considered. Um, probably saving grace is the contact to the head was questionable. Yeah, I think that's what the bunker ruled in that little aspect there. But they hung on for 12 4 at half time, and the Dolphins were able to get over next through Connolly Lemuelu doing a bit of soccer skills. To get to the line. Very impressive try from Level M there. To their credit, they hung in the fire room. Luai pinned yet again for six again, and it was the hammer. Hammer time gave him a 14-12 lead, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's still question marks on what Hammer So's uh, best position is, especially mm-hmm. regarding that move back to centre. I know there's been a bit of discourse surrounding that tonight. Um, but yeah, he he spied a gap and took advantage of it. Got rewarded with another try. He's got a very good strike rate at center recently. Uh, and yeah, just put the Dolphins on top. And all of a sudden, you start thinking that this is a Dolphins game to lose. Um, again, against such an inexperienced Panthers side. You think they have, you know, now that the scoreboard reflects the experience, they'll have the upper hand. Um, but unfortunately, it was their game to lose, and they went on to lose it. Tom Jenkins picking up a double, and it was really the impact of Sonny Luke in that final 10 minutes that made the difference. Uh, it's good to see Dylan Edwards can um, put a kick up, do a bit of goal kicking. Hasn't lost his touch since the 20s. Uh, except that 2016 grand final when he missed that penalty goal. Sorry, as a Roosters fan, mate, I love it because (laughs) that was such a big comeback game. Victor Radley's real um, coming out party. And then Jenkins picked up another try at the end of the game to seal a victory. But on to some stats. Uh, Tefale, huge out of yardage, 155. Wallace, I thought, very impactful off the bench. SASA as well. Got good meters from uh, Bromwich off the bench. But what's the go with Isaiah Katoa? What are they doing to him? That is a very good question. Um, and I makes me wonder, you know, what is the plan? Is is he a long-term solution for the Dolphins, or is he just a placeholder? Because right now, I haven't seen much of his performance to say that, if, especially from a Wayne Bennett perspective, that I'm confident 
in this guy leading the team around the park as a halfback for X amount of years to come. And then they hook him. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if you're going to put confidence in the young kid, that's not how you do it. Not at all. It's frustrating, 100% frustrating out there at the moment for the Dolphins, for Penrith. They've got to be happy with the way that they have been playing at the moment, don't you? Yeah, well, they've really come through this period without making clearing on skates. Um, so that's a massive, massive boost of confidence. That you know, Now they've been able to show that they can lead without their best player. They can win without their best player. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to make them such a tough team to play on final time because on top of, you know, getting Perry back, it's also a rested Nathan Perry. He's been able to have these weeks in the sideline where He's not playing. He's just going through getting the rehab done. Now he's ramping up his conditioning again, having sort of like a mini preseason. And when he comes back, he's going to be trapped. He's going to be ready and ready to go. Yeah, going to be a very, very tough team to go up against. Yeah. Also, Isaac Tungall, 15 runs, 200 metres, two line break assists, two line break assists, two try assists, seven tackle breaks. I said it after the Melbourne game that he's just been getting better and better. Post the pec injury, and now in the last few weeks, let me just get up his tackle breaks. He's had 30 tackle breaks in three weeks. That's incredible numbers in production. I know that Bradman Best did make a lot of critics shut up with his performances on Wednesday night. But I do think it's valid to say that Congo could have easily been that origin centre ahead of it. 100% he could have. Moving on. Parramatta 25, Titans 24. Interesting game, this one. Parramatta picked up two tries in the opening 15 minutes before uh, Lothie Camperero picked up a try. But then there was a bit of talking point, a bit of conjecture surrounding foul play. Mike Acevo first binned for a high shot. And then I think Regan Campbell-Gillard's lucky not to have been sent off. Very, very much so. It was a bit of a mess because I feel like he should have been in a lot more control than he was. Um, mm-hmm. I know the, I know the defense is that he sort of tried to stop himself from probably tripping over, but it led to the knees in the back. But that's not an excuse in my opinion. You know, you're yeah. the defender. It's on you to control the situation and not put a player in a dangerous position because of your actions. That reminded me of the incident with Hutchison. Just the lack of control, the lack of anything, and he just copped the knee straight in the the back there, and I'm wondering what's going on. And the Titans scored two tries – when they were down to 11 men, they took the lead. They had it at 16-14 at halftime. And then it, the game just got away from them a little bit. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a mess by the um, Titans in the end. Unfortunately, second half Titans, as we've seen all season. Mm-hmm. 
obviously they were able to take advantage of a dominant period where they were able to play 13 on 11, get the results mm-hmm. from that. When the game got back to 13 on 13, though, I think it was just the quality of the two teams. Obviously, the Titans having four players backing up from Origin versus the Eels only having the two uh, did play a key part in the result. But end of the day, the Titans have to be looked at. If they want to play final footy, which realistically they have the team too, uh, they have the results too, these are the games they have to win. And yeah. it's, it's another one. You know, you put it down, you have two Dolphins games, you have a couple of other games this season that they should have won and they didn't. No, they didn't. They were, they were realistically quite poor, weren't they? 100% they were. And but again, go on, sir. If that comes back to the cost of them a place in the finals, they really just only have themselves to blame. Yeah, they do. Have they finished integrity on this one? No, they haven't. So, I was just, yeah, 220 metres to Phil Sami. They definitely had opportunities to win this game. Uh, Final Waker, 100 metres. Tino, I thought, was huge. Yes, we touched on that elbow incident earlier. But I want to touch on something here. And about the Titans production. Khaleesi Haas, 80 minutes of football, had one run for seven metres. Oh, you're, you're joking. I'm not joking. I did the Titans stats. So I could throw my hat up in the ring if I've stuffed up, but one, and I, many, and I had a. How many touches? One. Oh my God. He had 36 tackles, but he was a zombie in attack. That's awful. That is awful. I'm sorry, but I did my job properly. I even had even sought feedback at half time. <laughs> well, could you not even believe that he'd made that few tackles? No, I'm talking about the running meters. Oh, sorry. Could you not even believe that he had that few run? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I can tell. He, he's disrespecting the surname, seriously. No, that reminds me of the Kevin Proctor game. That Remember the one where he had like two runs for 10 meters last year? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one very well. Where is it? I'm going to get it up just to remind our listeners. It was against the Panthers, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. I'm going to remind the listeners. Where is Kevin Proctor? One run for four metres. So he did better. He did better than Galicia. Oh, that is a shambles. Um, anything else on this game, my friend? Uh, well, I mean, we'll just touch on the Titans field goal that's a little bit controversial right now because... Uh, oh, the offside? Yeah, people aren't sure whether it was offside or not. Mm-hmm. Um, where I looked, looking back at the play the ball, uh, the only player I could see offside was Gutherson. He got called out and he did go back to the line. He didn't put pressure on Tom Boyd. Yeah, just remember uh, with that, it. with the offside, it's from when the ball clears the ruck. So is that when the ball's placed to be played, or is that... It's as when... it's being hooked back. Yeah, okay, so yeah, I'm correct. 
All good, my friend. Moving, looking at the ladder at the conclusion of round 20, we've got Penrith on top on 30, followed by Brisbane on 30. Melbourne, Canberra on 28. Canberra in the top four. Fuck me. Warriors on 26. They're in the top four with a minus 55 for and against. Yeah. That's what happens when you lose a game by, what was it, 41 points? Mm-hmm. And then all, all your wins, they've also had that big loss against Manly too. And then all your wins are by 10 points or less. Mm-hmm. Warriors, Sharks on 26, Parramatta and South Sydney on 24. Cowboys outside the eight on 24. Then there's a three-point gap, Knights Manly. Then there's one point on 20. You got the Titans, Finns, Roosters. Then you got the Bulldogs on 16, Dragons on 14, and the Tigers in dead last on 12. Looking at Supercoach, uh, I've got 1,203. Rex, what did you get? Well, I was going to... I've actually you got thirteen hundred and five and beat me. <laughs> Did you loop as well? Yes, I loop. I was very scummy. What a week, get a dog. <laughs> I, I apologize immensely, but I, I did take a win. I, I thought Hines was going better than you. I think the rest paid off superbly. Um, and yeah, so you know, shout out to Kalen Ponga. Shout out to Sean Johnson. Shout out to Sean Michael Cookstart. Uh, shout out to Harry Grant. Shout out to Adam Trinua Blake. Shout out to Britton Nicora. Uh, yeah, shout outs all around. Yeah, I was a bit short this week. Manu played good for me. Preston played well. I'm thinking about selling for Nua Blake this week. Going to Mo Fodawaka. Just because of how insane his production is in the Titans. What did Fodawaka get this week? Fodawaka got 53, so solid. But if Fafita hit his break-even, no. just hit his break-even. Just hit oh, his break-even. He? Yeah, did his he? break-even's 50. I have it in and then, Oh, no, that's Dino. Sorry, my bad. And then it. what I'm thinking is selling either Bateman or Preston to bring Fafita in for the run home. Yeah, that's fair. Look. From my perspective, I'm down to five trades. So I'm I've got to be seven. Yeah. So I'm just going to be very budgety. I don't think I'm going to make a trade this week. I'm just going to let the boys roll. I've obviously got a decently balanced team now. Um, so, yeah, really we'll just wait and see and obviously react to any injuries that happen. Yeah, I mean, I can't see myself selling anyone in the team. Like, it's just the way it is at the moment. I'm, like, outside of, obviously, strategic trades and whatnot. But if I had to sell anyone, I'd probably sell either Guffo or Kennedy. Probably Kennedy, because Kennedy has been a bit of a mixed bag for me since arriving at choosing for the W a second time. But I mean, we'll see how bad, we go. The, the bad news for you, AJ, is you're already out of market in the league. You were down in 17th on 10 points, uh, whereas I'm in 8th on 22 points. So You say that, but overall in Supercoach, I'm in the top 3%. You've just been very unlucky with... My matchups. Yeah, with your matchups. Always picking the wrong people at the wrong time. Like, if I look at the, if I look at the league, I think I'm like the top, one of the top scoring teams. 
I'm winning oh. every other league but the league C league. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me let, let me look. Let me look. Hold on. I'm gonna points scored in points four. Adding in this week. This week gets added. This week gets added. So you're oh, I'm in seventh overall. You're for... Seventh. Whereas I'm fourteenth. Oh, hang on, hang on. Time out. That include. Oh, this doesn't include the bye week points. I don't think. Ah, okay. Still. Still. Still, I'm seventh in scoring because yeah, that doesn't include bye weeks because my total score. Not factoring in this week's like twenty one thousand or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the problem is your point differential is only two hundred and sixty. Even with the seventh highest score, you've also conceded the third most points in your <laughs> matchups. I just Whereas, want to. I'm, I'm down in seventeenth. <laughs> uh, On to the lower grade report. Uh, Knights forty six, Magpies ten. David Armstrong picked up a. Patrick Latia Bonadreke ran for 254 metres. Uh, top tackler was Mr. Riley Jones. For the Magpies, Brett Naden only lasted 30 minutes, had five runs, 28 metres. Uh, Itasi James, 10 runs, 75 metres. Uh, Talon De Silva made it through 80 minutes, made 40 tackles, only three misses. Not bad for the young kid. Mm. That's impressive. Uh, North's 30, Bulldogs 6. No dry eyes in the house as Josh Reynolds bid Bon Boyage to Rugby League. Uh, Paul Alamotti was good. He ran for over 160 metres. Uh, elsewhere, Ryan Gray, their to- oh, sorry, Harrison Edwards, their top tackler. Uh, Reynolds didn't even have a try assist, but ran th- 11 times 116 metres in his 45 minutes. For the Bears, Terrell May ran for over 220 metres. Terrell, uh, Fletcher Baker ran for over 110 metres, made 24 tackles. North's just completely dominated their opposition. Dragons 36, Pampers 16. uh, Real big upset in this comp. Uh, Trey Stewart, the fullback, ran for over 260 metres, picked up a double. Uh, Who else looked good? Zane Musgrove ran for over 150 metres. Nick Louis Toso in 24 minutes had eight runs, 121 meters. Uh, Jack Bird 12 runs, 98 meters. Jaden Hunt 14 runs, 134 meters. Uh, top tackler was Ryan Couchman with 42. Uh, for Penrith, Jesse McLean back on the wing but had 10 runs, but only 59 meters. So he's kind of hitting the wall at the moment. Uh, Liam Henry and Eddie Black have produced solid numbers. Uh, we're talking about. Um, Forwards with good minutes struggling. Chris Smith had 66 minutes, three runs for 10 metres. Yikes. Yeah. Defensively was solidly, and Henry had 47 tackles as well. Uh, Luke Summerton, 35 tackles. For him. Jets 26, Warriors 18. Uh, if you could believe Savo Dan and a couple of the new uh, Jets uh, Sharks people, you would have thought they lost today. <laughs> uh, Tua Picky, uh, 14 runs, 119 metres. Um, who else played good? 
Sinele Akotasino, the winger, picked up a try around for over 150 metres. Defensively, Maya Sands and Eden Ackland were impressive, along with Jacob Laban. Uh, for the Jets, Generation Next, Sam Healy picked up a try around for over 180 metres. Uh, I think he did he score a try. Yes, he did pick up a try as well. Of course, he's the son of Mitch Healy, made 32 tackles. Uh, Tom Rodwell was okay. Kale Irinor has been in the eyes of Super League club. Uh, Castleford, 22 runs, 193 metres. Three tackles, no misses. Dan Atkinson also did well returning from injury. Blacktown, 24, Canberra. Pardon? Fair enough. Blacktown 24, uh, Raiders 18, Matt Lodge scored in his first game for the Blacktown workers. Uh, no stats in for this one. Jake Arthur, Vega, Fine New Lodge, Falao. Uh, John's kicked two goals for the Raiders. Trey Mooney, Trevelyan, and Hopapuru scored. James kicked three goals. Danny Levi simbined in the 23rd minute. Oh, sorry, not simbined. Uh, failed his HIA. Okay, fair enough. Um... That's all. Yeah, no stats in for that one, of course, as the game was played today. Uh, Rabbitohs 30, Eels 10. No stats, but Leonard Skelton, Jacob Gagway each picked up a double. Hawkins a try and five goals. For the Eels, Samuel Luizu and Jaden Yates scored, Rankin kicking a goal. Looking at the ladder, North's on top on 28 points, so we're winning something. <laughs> Canterbury, Newtown on 27. Wars and Raiders on 23. Workers, Pampers, Souths on 22, Dragons 21, um, West, Newcastle 18, Parramatta 17, and the Roosters in last on 12 points. We finally had a bye. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Looking at Queensland, Devils 44, Winner Manly 32. I just have to laugh at that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, of course, we had Country Week this week, so this game was played in Wondai, rare part of the world. Jonathan Rubin picked up a double. Tony Tamusa notched up his 100 games. Uh, Oliver Pascoe made 31 tackles for the winner, Manly. side. So, uh, Ipswich v Capras. Capras won 46-6 in Billow Leela. Uh, Blake Moore picked up a hat-trick. Brandon Roberts a double. Denzel Burns picked up a try for Ipswich. Uh... Lachlan Huber ran for over 234 metres. Meanwhile, for the Jets, Reese Jacks made 51 tackles. Uh, Dolphins 38, Bears 6. We went to Centenary Oval in Miles. Uh, Keanu Keeney failed his HIA, only lasted 20 minutes or so in a bit of blow. Uh, Max Plath, Mason Teague, Jeremiah Simbikin all shined. For Burley, uh, outside of Keanu Keeney's injury, uh, no one really of note apart from Tom McKayley running for just over 100 metres. Yeah, fair enough. Tweed 38, Brisbane Tigers 12. This game was played in Kilcoy. Uh, Tremaine Spry was very, very good. At the back, he's been really shining. Lyndon McGrady, uh, 22 points, two tries, six goals, 250 metres. Uh, Tom Weaver good at halfback. Cruz Leeming good at the hooker position. For Brisbane, 
Uh, Marion Seve uh, and George Jennings got through 80 minutes, ran over 100 metres each, along with Jordan Green and Kane Bradley. Uh, Joe Chan also played about 51 minutes on the bench. Falcons 24, Pride 8. This was played in Weeper. Uh, let's have a look at some stats for the Falcons. Uh, Jaden Nicarima had a line break and a try. Young Tom Mapia ran for just over, under 150 metres. Jack Howell ran for over 169 metres. Good display from him. Aaron Penne ran just shy of 150. For the Pride, Will Partridge in the pantry. 17 runs, 149 metres. Uh, known from two. Two tackle breaks for the young man. <laughs> I know he's your boy. <laughs> yes, he, he certainly is. Um, yeah. uh, Magpies 14, Cutters 12. Corey Pakes played at hooker for the South Slogan Magpies. Uh, Redeem Robertson ran for just over 118 metres. Bayless Bro, nine runs, 113 metres. I know you're keeping tabs on him. Uh, Corey Pakes, 12 runs, 82 metres. Um, did you have a line break or try assist? Neva. Uh, Jordan Pereira ran for over 160 metres. Albert Kelly uh, played about 27 minutes. For the cutters, Josh Smith ran for 200-plus metres. Not bad. Yeah, so obviously... Uh, with South Slogan, uh, they had no Moza, no Tekuna, no Liotta because of the under-19s origin. So it is a very Time good out. for them. Raiders played Chevy Stewart today. Boy. Okay, so he did back up. But I think... Yeah, they chose not to back up. Yeah, I think South Slogan were a bit more cautious, which, to be fair, top of the bladder, they have that option too. So. Yeah. And Blackhawks 42, Clydesdales 12... Brendan Elliott picked up a try along with Mitch Dunn. Taniela Sadrugu has been in talks with the Bulldogs. Uh, for the Clydesdales, no one really of note there in that game today at Stanforp. Looking at the ladder at the conclusion of round 18 of the Host Plus Cup. Looks like this. South Logan on top on 30. Burley, Winner Manly, Redcliffe, Brisbane, Capris, Seagulls, Falcons. Pride, Blackhawks, Hunters, Devils, Clydesdales, Cutters and Jets. On of this week's Low Cow of the Week. I'm going to go with Buzz this week. Very easy for me. For having a go at James Tedesco for having the audacity to go on holiday after playing all three State of Origins and being an absolute bloody legend for the Chooks all season. How fucking dare you? Could you just go on a holiday to the centre of the earth and never come back? <laughs> Yeah. What have you got for us, mate? Uh, fair enough. I'm going to go with Manchester United for how fucking long it's taking to seal this Andre and Anna deal. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. It's, it's basically being done for a week now. And now we're saying it's not going to get announced for another couple of days. Like, Here we don't go. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just waiting for that Fabrizio Romano. Here we go. Dopamine rush. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Uh, also, shout out to Arsenal for taking... Forever to finally announce Urian Timbo and Declan Rice. Uh, finally, they, they really made their fans have a bit of blue balls waiting for that one, uh, but they finally got it done. So. Indeed, my friend. Indeed, that will wrap us up this week. But before we go, 
I we have a big announcement to make. You might have heard me on last week's show say that we had to book. I had a message from my client about a potential interview. Well, it turns out on Tuesday this week, I'm releasing our second long feature interview that I did this week with Ian Roberts. Now, a bit of context for our younger listeners. Ian was the first openly gay player to play in rugby league that was announced at the time. His story, easily one of the best that I've had the privilege of being able to tell. It will be out on Tuesday. I recommend everyone listen to the interview. Yes, I, I can't recommend it enough. I think this is going to be a very, very important interview to have um, or to listen to. It's a great story. It's very topical for what's going on in the world right now. Uh, if you have a spare hour or so on Tuesday, highly advise you to listen to it. Highly yeah, advise. It's out on Tuesday about 9am, so we'll send out all the promotional details within the next few weeks. But that will wrap us up. Remember, Ian Roberts' interview is out tomorrow. Reese, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we'll catch you for our round 21 review next week. Take care, everyone. Bye, guys.